Good evening. I'm Dr. David Wolf, president of the Indiana Dental Association, and uh, I have a mentor, a good friend with me this evening, Bud Bouton. Bud is a uh, past IBM executive, uh, college football coach, and the author of three books on leadership. So our topic this evening is uh, focusing on leadership. So Bud, welcome. Thank you very much, David. It's great to be here. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking time and uh, and joining us. Um, so I'm going to just start firing some questions at, at you, okay, bud. Okay, you go. All right. Rapid fire. Here we go. <laughs> Based on uh, your experience in corporate America and in coaching college athletics, are there common characteristics that you have seen in leaders and people that, uh, that you know? <clears throat> and, and if so, what do you think they are? Yeah, um, definitely there are. And I think... Uh, the one that really jumps out at me right away is the really strong leaders I've been around in corporate America or in college athletics and so forth. They're people that are very confident and their confidence comes from the fact that they're very competent in whatever they're doing. So if it's a, a CEO of a software company, he's probably a guy that came from a background, he's learned the business, he understands who they're marketing to and that competence gives them the confidence, but the really, uh, the one characteristic that separates, I think, leaders and coaches more than anything else is some have a very special knack for being genuine and authentic. And when they choose to be truly themselves, I think they're more passionate about what they do and, sure. and that kind of breathes through to either the players they're coaching or their employees. Integrity? Integrity, huge. is huge. And you know what? There's a lot of people in leadership positions that we know end up in the headlines for the wrong reasons. So, you know, there's, uh, I mean, integrity isn't something you can buy. You earn that and it's something that uh, I agree. you should cherish. What about, what about honesty? Honesty is a big one. I think... Uh, I've been around some leaders, you know, in, in the corporate environment. I was an officer of a publicly traded company and I always laughed because there were certain guys on the management team that didn't want to be honest with our employees about maybe some of the shortcomings or problems we were having. And you know what's funny is the employees already knew what the <laughs> shortcomings were. It was like the elephant in the room and I used to tell them, guys, Let's be honest with them. We've got to acknowledge to our employees that we understand the problems because that's what they're living with day in and day out. So, uh, yeah, I think honesty is a big one. So I, I have a question for you now. Do you think that uh, uh, people are, are born leaders or is that a skill that uh, can be nurtured or cultivated in someone? Yeah, I think most importantly, leadership becomes a learning process and every good leader I've been around Dave was somebody that really saw the value in continuing to learn and being a lifelong leader that's how they evolve mm -hmm. into being the best leader they can be so are there is somebody really a born leader no it's interesting sometimes we look at somebody's past and even when they were very young they ended up in leadership roles right. And because they've done that all their life, we tend to say, oh, that guy was a born leader. But they've just taken steps in the right they've direction. They've taken steps in the right direction. They've learned along the way. 
Yeah. Good. So um, I know that you've uh, done a lot of coaching in your lifetime, coached uh, uh, college football. Can you share a, a story or an event where uh, you you know you've had an impact on someone else's life? Um, boy, that's that's an interesting question, but I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to turn it around instead of how I maybe impacted somebody. I'm going to tell you a story about a coach that really impacted me. Okay. I'm, I'm a senior in high school, co-captain of our high school football team. We had won the league championship the year before, big expectations coming into the season. And we play for a guy who's very much like a Bobby Knight. His name is Jules Yakupovich. He is a World War II veteran, played football at Colgate University, drafted by the Detroit Lions, and a true authoritarian. Tough, tough, hard guy. And uh, so tough that when he told jokes before the game in the locker room, nobody laughed until he laughed at his own joke. <laughs> he was that kind of guy. So here we are in double sessions, and one of our players' fathers died of a heart attack playing golf in that day. And, oh, wow. And it was, it was very emotional for all of us. And as a co-captain, myself and the other captain, we made the decision that as a team, we were going to meet outside of the funeral home in a nearby parking lot. And we were gonna walk into that funeral home for our teammate, for his mom and his sister mm -hmm. as, as one united group. And lo and behold, what we didn't know is Jules Yakupovich was already at the funeral home with his wife. He had been there very early. He had no idea that we were going to come to uh -huh. this funeral. And as all of a sudden the door opened and he saw 65 high school football players dressed in their Sunday best coming in, hugging Dick, hugging Dick's mom, his sister, showing the sort of compassion and love for him that we had as a teammate. Jules Yakupovich retreated to the corner of a room and started to cry. Oh, wow. And he not only cried, Dave, but his wife was with him and his body started to shake. I mean, he was weeping. And I don't know why he was so overcome. But in that moment, it taught all of us a very important lesson. And that's the fact that even the toughest men cry. You know, it's okay to show your emotions. It's okay to be one of those guys that as tough as you may be, there's going to be something in life that connects with you that's going to bring out those emotions. And you know, that was him being absolutely genuine and authentic. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, taught us all a yeah. valuable you lesson. You probably didn't life. see that in the locker room. No, we didn't. I'd never seen him cry ever any other time, as a matter of fact. I, I think as a, a coach, Bud, you, oftentimes you have an impact on uh, youth that you, you never realize. And maybe in this lifetime you'll never know, but um, I was a youth basketball coach for 15 years, and, and uh, it's always a thrill for me when someone will call you a coach out uh, you know, in the store or restaurant or uh, say, remember when, and uh, just it gives you a good feeling to know that you did have maybe just a little bit of impact on their life. It's 
of all the titles I've had on business cards, there's nothing better than coach. <laughs> and there's nothing better than sometimes when I've been sitting in a Starbucks or standing in line, uh -huh. and all of a sudden somebody comes through that door, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, Coach B! <laughs> and I turn and look, and it's one of the guys that I've coached maybe in the last 10 or 12 years yeah. at Franklin College. So, yeah, I agree. That's really special when yeah. you have those moments. Well, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and, and talk about uh, uh, one of your books. In, uh, in your book, Dad's Last Letter, right. you talk about leadership principles for the next generation. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you have for uh, young college grads that are just entering their careers, just getting started in a profession? Um, well, that's, that's interesting because when I wrote Dad's last letter, I knew I wanted to write a leadership book. And <clears throat> I had done my own research on people that had certainly been leaders in my life, and I knew what the four principles were I was going to write about. And they made sense to me because anybody can do them. doesn't matter what your race, color, creed, socioeconomic level. Anybody can make the choice to do those four things that I talk about in, in Dad's last letter. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't write a book, so to, so to speak, How to Be a Leader, if you remember. It's a short mm -hmm. novel that tells a story. But as I think about young people now, and I, and I relate this because I've been coaching college athletes for the last 10 years, I would say maybe the most important piece of advice I could give them is have patience. And that's not one of the four <laughs> principles that I wrote about in the book. I think young people today have grown up so much with technology that they yeah. were able to get things that they wanted when they wanted it. Whether Quickly. they're ordering something on Amazon, whether it's, it's uh, they're gonna, just, uh, oh, I want to download this movie. Yeah, I wanted to see that movie or see this show. They can get it when they want it. Instantly. Instantly. And you and I both know, because we've, we've lived long enough in life, that that's not how life works. Right. Things happen in a certain time frame. And I, even when I talk in my chapel services with the players, lots of times I like to explain to them and remind them, we're living in God's world. And certain things in this world happen only in a time frame that God will allow to happen. So when it comes to our four seasons, I can't hurry spring if I'm tired of winter. That's going to happen when it happens. And there are some things in life that we don't understand. So for those young people, I encourage them, be patient with yourself. Be patient with your supervisor or manager. Be patient with your coworkers and fellow employees because something that may not appear to be the right opportunity for you at the end of six or seven months or within the first year you're even employed there, give it some time. Give it some time and I think in doing so, even if it doesn't turn out to be the right situation for them, Dave, it gives them the opportunity to learn and grow and from that they'll make a better decision anyway. Mm -hmm. so, I think patience is, is a big one yeah. with young people today. I, I think in the work environment, uh, it's stepping, stepping stones where sure. uh, one uh, project you do well can lead to another, can lead to another, and 
Um, nothing comes instantly. You got to no. be a lifelong learner. Continue yeah. to improve yourself. To continue to work at bettering yourself uh, in every aspect. So um, I I think you, the the book that you wrote. Uh, Coaching is uh, teaching at its best. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's uh, an awesome book. It's a must read for any youth coach. I just think, uh, and it's an easy read. Uh, every youth uh, football, basketball, soccer coach should uh, read that book for, because of the principles. Uh, but what similarities uh, do you see in coaching and leading, <coughs> say, in a, a Fortune 500 company? Um. It's interesting you ask that because when the book came out, I did write it exclusively for youth coaches in all sports. Uh -huh. So that's that's why I wrote the book. I also wrote it by design. It's only 82 pages. It's a paperback. I wanted it to be a quick, easy read. The 10 tips that are in that book, when you break them down by chapter, the chapters are, are four to six pages. So I tell somebody... If I've ever given them the book, hey, just get up 15 minutes earlier for two weeks and with your first cup of coffee, read the next chapter. Yeah. And in 10 days, you're going to be done with the book. Yeah, it's a great book to read on a plane ride. Oh, yeah, you can, you can knock it out in, in a plane ride for sure. But where there's some similarities um, in some of those tips, and I've had a lot of business people come to me and say, I want my managers to read that book. Uh -huh. I'll just take this one as an example is... There's the one tip is go to practice with the right attitude. You know, there's a lot of things in life we don't control, but one of the things we can always be in control of is our attitude. So when you were going, when I was going to practice and I get a phone call from my wife and she's had a flat tire or she wants to know what to do on this, and I can't take that onto the practice field with me because I got to be there. I got to get these guys fired mm -hmm. up. I'm going to... I'm going to want them to go after it. I want to be a positive influence. That's important. Well, you know what? That's just as important. If you're a, a CEO or a senior level manager and you've got a Tuesday morning staff meeting, you've got to go into that meeting with the right attitude. And one of the things I talk about in there is you need to be there. And, and I mean that in parentheses, be there. Sometimes when you go places, you know, people talk about multitasking and they think about different things. No, you've got to be in the moment, focused, be there. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you typically do the best job of leading, the best job of collaborating, the best job of listening, all of those important things that you need to do. So that's just of one of the 10 tips where I talk about going to practice with the right attitude. Yeah. Go to the office yeah. with the right attitude every day. That's a great example. Yeah, good. And thank you for the compliment on the book. <laughs> thank you. So I know you've written a, a blog on your web, website, Bud, uh, entitled uh, BudBouton.com uh, Leadership 2.0. Can you tell us a little bit about Leadership 2.0? Yeah, I, um, I was asked to do a speaking engagement on leadership and... Uh, Somebody had pointed out something else I had said, and I read what I had said, and I said, I'm not sure that I want to talk about that anymore. I better write something else. So I sat down and I said, you know what? If we look at the workplace today, it's 50% of the millennials, this younger generation that's grown up much differently than we have, 
the model that most people used for leadership came out of the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and, and so forth. And if you think about these young people who have grown up with more technology, they, they've grown up with the opportunity to voice their opinions, to be heard, they want to be heard. I don't think leadership can be what it was back in the 70s or 80s with that model. You know, we, we think the leader lots of times is the guy who's standing on the podium. It's Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. It's the quarterback. He's going to make bold decisions and everybody's listening intently to him. But now I think that's changed. So as I wrote Leadership 2.0, I said, well, what's different? Well, one of the big differences is the best leaders now are the best listeners. They aren't the ones standing on the podium just spewing out the next business plan mm -hmm. and the strategy. Mm -hmm. They've got to be in the room asking the right questions and then listening to their people. Because when we listen, we learn. When we sure. stand up and we're talking, that's just us letting it out. The chance to learn comes is when we listen to other people. And if you think, I, I think of so many of the young people that I've been around in my coaching the last years and even in my professional life, they're smart young people that know how to do things much, much better than I do. So if I'm in a leadership position, I ought to take advantage of how smart and how bright they are and be a better listener. Yeah. Be that person. Really, um, maybe the leadership 2.0 has to deal more with being more of a cerebral leader. Uh -huh. Um, you need to be listening. You probably need to be thinking more. Um, there were, uh, uh, you know, a lot of books on, on speed to market and all of these things, but sometimes, sometimes we need to put on the brakes, take a deep breath, and really think through our decisions mm -hmm. before we just charge full speed ahead. And I think we do that better when we become better listeners and better learners like we've talked about. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, the missing piece. The subtitle is Search for Security in an Insecure World. Wow, how re relevant uh, that topic is uh, today, probably uh, more than ever. So, uh, did you ever think you'd see anything like uh, COVID, this pandemic uh, that would affect every individual walking on this planet in some way? Um, no, not in the way of the pandemic, but as you talk about that, let me share something that's very interesting about The Missing Piece. That book, I started writing that in 1990. That is 30 years ago. I had a graduate from University of Indiana read the book last year and tell me it was the most relevant thing he had read in his four years at IU. And I said, well, that's quite a compliment because I started writing it 30 years ago. <laughs> and to think that it still has that kind of relevance in this day and age. Um, you know, I don't think any of us saw what we're dealing with right now. And, um, but I think the thing that I learned, because when I wrote that book, um, I started writing it in 1990. It wasn't a finished manuscript until almost 2000, and it got published in 2003. So 
when I, I think about that book, I mean, a lot of my thinking, a lot of the questions that I ask in the book, those evolved over time. And those are uh, things that, that again, it, it goes back to that piece that we talked about a little bit earlier about patience. Sometimes we're just a little bit too impatient. Sometimes we're just in a little bit too much of a hurry. And I think when it comes to uh, being the best listeners we can be, um, boy, that's, that's when we learn. But sometimes that takes us stepping back and taking a deep breath. And that's I mean, that's probably redundant, and we've talked about it too many times, but I, I think it requires that kind of emphasis. emphasis. I mean, think about any relationship you're in. You want to have a better relationship with that person? Be a better listener. Ask the questions. Don't constantly be telling them your opinion or what mm -hmm. you're thinking. Um, as a matter of fact, in my consulting work with a lot of salespeople, but I used to use this, I used to have a sentence that said the blank are the best listeners. And I used to have them fill that in with one word and we'd discuss it. I said, it doesn't have to be anything to do with sales. There's the best wives are the best listeners. The best husbands are the best listeners. The best friends are the best listeners. The best doctors are the best listeners. Hey, I think what we're seeing is yeah. if you've got somebody that's willing to listen, they're probably going to be a better friend. You're going to have a better relationship. They're going to be a better, it's a better business exchange. All of those things, and it comes yeah. from listening. The example that, that comes to mind for me right now is, yeah. you know, when I do mission trips, third world countries, you don't have x-rays. We don't have all the diagnostic tools. So listening to what they say, their complaints, you become a better diagnostician. <laughs> um, by listening closely and hearing their complaints. So uh, just that, that came to mind. Uh, but uh, will you tell us what the missing piece, what that is, or uh, do, we, do we need to read your book? Well, I'd, I'd like for people to read the book. I mean, it's still out there and it's done quite well. It sold out its first two editions. And I remember my very first book signing, <clears throat> you came in and bought a copy of the book and then you went and had coffee over in the cafe at the Borders bookstore then. Yeah. And you came back and I think you bought 16 copies for all of your employees. Well, case of them, yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, I thank you very, very much for that. Uh, what I talk about, as you know from having read the book, is the title of the book is The Missing Piece, or Search for Security in an Insecure World. And the title of the book, comes from a short story about a grandfather and a grandson putting together a jigsaw puzzle and when they finally are just about done there's one piece that's missing and the little boy of course this is terrible we can't finish the puzzle but the grandfather turns it into a, a life lesson and says no this puzzle is like your life and my life and the pieces are all the people in our lives mm -hmm. and that one missing piece is showing us that the picture isn't complete without that one person. And it talks about the value of, of every person, so to speak. But in the third part of the book, I talk about something I call the other missing piece, spelled P-E-A-C-E. Mm -hmm. And that's where I begin to talk about, you know, 
for all the things that we focus on in life, trying to get ahead, trying to make our life as perfect as we can make it, it's, it's when we start to look outside of ourselves and what we can do for other people, learning to give, practicing forgiveness, being compassionate, having a spiritual foundation in our life. When we talk about those things, that's when we truly find the missing piece we're all looking for. So I hope people still buy the book to read it, but thank you for asking that well, question. The, uh... The book definitely is still relevant today. Um, I, I gave a copy to uh, a college student this past week wow. who's been shadowing in my office trying to discern uh, what he wants to do for the rest of his life and he's thinking about dentistry and uh, I handed him a copy of The Missing Piece to read. So nice. I, I think it's uh, certainly uh, appropriate and even though if you thought of the idea 30 years ago, it, it's still working. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, for our uh, viewing audience, The Missing Piece by Bud Bouton, uh, Our Search for Security in an Insecure World. Um, the second uh, book that Bud wrote is Dad's Last Letter. Uh, Bud le allowed me to read the manuscript and uh, I, I wrote a review the first time I uh, had the, the privilege to do that for an author. So uh, uh, the subtitle is Leadership Principles for the Next Generation. Uh, great book for young graduates starting in their career and then uh, coaching is teaching at its best a quick read a must read for um, uh, anyone who is coaching uh, bud um, i can't thank you enough for doing this uh, tonight you've been uh, a role model or mentor to me uh, you have such a, a background uh, author coach uh, consultant um, teacher uh, worked in the uh, for Fortune 500 companies, and you just have a wealth of, of information. And I could talk to you all night. So uh, <laughs> I just appreciate you sharing uh, yeah. your thoughts on leadership for uh, the members of the Indiana Dental Association. Well, thank you very much. It was my pleasure, and um, I'm honored and uh, humbled that you'd ask me to do this. So thank you very much, David. All right, great. Have a good evening, bud. Yeah, you have a good evening too. Thank Thanks. you.